0: Welcome to Sonics Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonics Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight podcast. This is episode number 49, Avoiding Builder Burnout. So at some point, every builder faces a sense of waning motivation, they have distractions that pop up, and there's a sort of a natural slowdown in their building process. This can have major impacts to the ultimate success of the project, and in a worst case scenario can lead to burnt out builders and possibly to abandoned projects. So we'll go over some of our techniques and uh, offer some advice to keep your motivation up and uh, techniques to avoid that builder burnout. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374, and joining me once again are my two good flying buddies, John Gillis and Gary Motley. Gary Motley is a longtime pilot, a former CFI, and a multi-time airplane builder. Gary, what's going on?
1: Oh, just getting as much flying in as I possibly can. Uh, I even went for a little flight this afternoon. I had to ferry my pl- my plane from one airport to the next because I had a little bit of, of work done on it that I didn't want to tackle myself. So I'm um, just flying, flying, flying. I have to say, you know, when I looked at my logbook here
0: recently, I've done over 160 hours in the last six months. So, Gary, that's the thing that always amazes me. when When you go for a little flight, that's like an hour or two, you know? And if you have a good long weekend, that's like six or eight hours worth of flying. I don't know how you get all that in.
2: Well, you know, Gary is Gary's at the age that he has to get as much flying in as he can
0: because he doesn't have much time left. <laughs> e- even if that's the case, yeah. that's you're a champ, Gary. I I, uh, I wish I could do that.
1: It's it's always enjoyable. I'd spend as much time in the air every day as I possibly could.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, how's the flying weather been in Colorado?
1: Uh, it's been overall fairly well. Uh, we get a little bit of a breezy episodes here coming this time of the year. Uh, it gets a little chilly sometimes, but just even a few weekends ago, I was doing some flight out on the uh, continental divide, and um, even though the winds were for about 30 miles an hour, it was perfectly smooth. There wasn't any turbulence to it. A little chilly, about 15 degrees. Uh, but as you know, sometimes in these winter uh, environments, we get really, really good visibility and probably on that day, it was only kind of average. I was probably on running about 80 or 100-mile visibility versus sometimes our stellar 200-mile visibility. But it was a nice day.
0: We haven't had anything like that in Kansas City. Uh, we've had a couple of weeks of low overcast and, and snow and just cold temperatures and generally pretty nasty flying weather. So uh, I'm definitely ready for a fix.
1: Yeah, well, I'm certainly ready for spring to start coming along. I'd like for it to start warming up just a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, soon. And John Gillis. John is best known for his many YX customizations, and now he's deep into his B-model conversion project, where he's taking his legacy YX and bringing it up to the latest specs of a B-model. So, John, how's your project coming?
2: Oh, the project is going along pretty good. Um, I keep running out of rivets. Uh, One of the things with the conversion project is they're assuming you have all the rivets from your original kit, and uh, i keep running out so i'm calling up sonics and ordering more rivets all the time because i've had to replace them all
1: i can't reuse the ones
2: problem yeah any kit
1: so. you better order an extra 500 rivets no matter what they send you at least
2: oh i'm thinking about 2000 right now yeah so that
1: was at least yeah
2: so the next set is coming uh, next monday via, via ups and i'll be back back into the riveting mode but it's giving me lots of time to uh deburr and and make sure everything is cleated up properly. And so I'm I'm looking at uh, taking the old plane down, probably this weekend. Maybe pull the wings off because I'm ready to grasp the new nose on. Nice.
0: Yeah, that's exciting.
2: Yeah, looking forward to
0: it. I saw some of your recent uh, posts about your panel. Uh, how's that project coming?
2: Uh, the panel project, <clears throat> it's all laid out. I did a uh, a, a brush or turned finish on the panel which I really kind of like it's like the old mg kind of or English uh, sports car panel um, and now I'm just trying to figure out how to label it I don't want to put in uh, you know stick on labels but uh, I might be might be forced to do that and then spray over it with some sort of a uh, uh, you know clear coat maybe a non-gloss clear coat or something so I'll be posting that on the uh, Sonics builders net Uh, website when I
0: get a good solution. Yeah, there's always the option just to use eighth-inch high vinyl lettering, and you could stick that directly to your turned aluminum.
2: Yeah, um, I'm looking for a really good, clean, professional look. So I've got plenty of uh, options, and you can always scrape it off and try it again.
0: Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, that's cool. I definitely uh, am looking forward to seeing you pull out the chainsaw and cutting the front of your airplane off. Ah, yeah, I'll I'll, tr- I'll, try to document that just for you. Yeah, we need
1: videos.
2: Well, you're coming down to help me pull the wings off, aren't
1: you? I might. Are you going to be around this
2: weekend? Yeah, I might be. I'll, okay. I'll give you a call.
0: All right, well, good deal. Uh, let's uh, jump right into it. We uh, do not have a guest this episode, but rather we're just going to have a short discussion amongst ourselves. To kick this off, I thought maybe we would just make sure everybody is, is clear on the problem that we're really going to kind of talk about. Every builder kind of goes through a life cycle where at the beginning of the project, you've done all your research and you've made the commitment and your your motivation is just sky high. It's you're you're really looking forward to it. You're very enthusiastic. You jump right in. But that doesn't always stay at that level. You run into a problem where you're not sure how to accomplish a task. Or you need additional parts and you have to send off an order and now you're waiting on something to come in. Or worse yet, you screw up a part and now you have to wait on either a replacement part or some new base material that you can refabricate that part. But at some point, you're going to have some slowing of your progress.
1: And some of this time can start just when you get the crate itself. Particularly if you buy it uh, in one mass bulk package and you finally uncrate this thing and you're laying out these parts and... You start to think to myself, God, what am I getting myself into here?
0: (laughs) And that is a really common, uh, you know, thing. Uh, How many kits are advertised years after they're originally purchased still in the original factory crates? Because that thing arrived, it was dropped off by the delivery truck, and there was that overwhelming sense of, oh, no, there's no way I can do this. And immediately that project stalled out. It took them 10 years to decide to sell it, but it's untouched.
1: Sad but true.
0: So that can be a real problem. And it really kind of sets up a a negative reinforcing situation where your progress slows down for whatever reason. You know, interruption, uh, knowledge deficit, whatever. We're going to get to some of that stuff. But your progress slows. That causes a lowering of motivation or maybe some intimidation that goes with it. And that feeds back into the whole thing and further causes you to slow down. And that cycle can just replete until the project stalls out permanently. I guess the first part is uh, open question to you guys. So, what, what do we do to help recognize this situation that might be coming up?
1: Well, I'll start again with a with a big kit project. You know, after you've uh, inventoried or stacked up or parceled out all these bits and pieces and parts, and you're kind of looking at what to do. Uh, you know, you're looking at that 500 page assembly manual or or blueprints or whatever the case may be. Uh, We've said this before, and everyone says it. Whenever you're building an airplane, you're you're really just building one tiny little part, and that's all you're doing. You know, as we say, we we build this one little piece, whether it's just a piece of cut L angle, or we we bend a piece of metal, or make a little tab, or drill a couple holes, and we set that piece aside, and we kind of go to the next part, and we start looking at that, and how do we you know fabricate it or assemble this other little part. And we just keep going on and on. But remember, we're only building one little part of the time. Uh, it just so happens when we get finished, we got an airplane, but it's just piece by piece by piece by piece. And not to get uh, overwhelmed with just the, the vastness of the original kit.
0: Well, let's put this into a kind of a personal aspect. So, Gary, tell me about your, think back to your own project, a point where you recognize this was happening in your own experience your own project you were starting to kind of wane in your motivation and and you thought you might be slowing down or maybe even in danger of stalling so tell me about something from your experience
1: well you know i'm not sure i really will put it in that particular context for me um yeah i'm I'm probably a little bit of an ocd kind of guy i guess at least that's what my wife says all the time anyway um is i like to have everything really kind of categorized and, and arranged out and you know when you're doing these these parts and kits Probably one of the biggest problems I ever had was just finding exactly what I was looking for. That can get really frustrating sometimes. Uh, so, so some way of developing some kind of parts inventory or cataloging uh, where you put a piece, you know, I, you'd be surprised how long you can keep looking around for the same part over and over and over again. Um, I, I think, you know, probably I would still just even maybe back up another step of that. When we talk about building an aircraft, um, I think most of us really recognize and, and advocate for having this thing as close to us as we physically can. I'm not sure I'd go so far as to do the way the guy did the uh, um, the moto glider in his New York apartment, but you know the guy we're talking about, uh, where you're yeah, talking your project. Yeah, when you talk about living with your project in your hallway, in your bedrooms, in your bathrooms, and you know, in the kitchen, um, that that might be a little bit too close. Uh, but of course, you know, I always advocate people if, if you've got even a single car garage, um, you know, your my wife may not like it, but kick that car out uh, for the year or two or three that's going to take so that you can start making all these little tiny parts and trying to assemble them to as big a pieces will fit in the garage until you have to ship that someplace else. Uh, therefore, you're not really having to to take time out and say, What well, when can I get to the airport or how far do I have to drive? Or, you know, how, how long is it going to take me to go up there and work on it for five or 10 minutes? When in fact, you can probably just walk outside your kitchen door into your garage and at least uh, start petting something or filing or drilling or, or sanding, or at least doing a little bit of something every day and every night, uh, to keep the project going rather than having travel time all the time.
0: Okay. Well, John, I know we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Tell me about your story about uh, stalling out.
2: Well, um, during the build of the original, the A-model um, I was deep into uh, to the build, and uh, a family situation came up where my brother was graduating from, uh, from grad school in Australia and called me up and said, I will send you to Australia if you take my mother with me so that we she can go to the graduation with me well that was like i'm in the middle of my build i mean i'm, I'm ready to <clears throat> put the wings on and get going and he said no mom needs to do this. this is a one-time thing so i agreed and that kind of pulled me away from my project because it was a good month of planning and and getting in a, you know a 75 year old woman who's never traveled you know halfway around the world um and when I got back, you know, I had been away from the project for at least a month and I couldn't get back into it because it was just like, okay, I had just stepped away from this thing and I've got other challenges in life that are nipping at me. And it, it actually took me about six months to get back at the project. So it sat there and languished in the back of my garage during that period.
0: Yeah, and I had kind of a similar experience. I was working on my current Sonics. Things were going really well, but then the army does what the army does and, and decided to deploy me overseas, and I was gone for a year and a half. And When I came home, I was really looking forward to getting back into the project, but there was this sense that the the project had taken on this, this overwhelming sort of momentum. It wasn't moving. I, my head was totally out of whatever I was doing. Um, my thoughts had changed. And it felt like, man, how do I really get back into this? And it was kind of easier to just avoid it and, uh, you know, kind of look the other way. That's exactly what I had. I was only gone for a month. But when I got back,
2: it was like I, it, it, there's this elephant in the back of my garage that needs to be addressed. But I don't want to. I've got other things i got to deal with. And I look for every excuse in, in the world to not work on the project.
1: Yeah. Well, you guys were talking as again as is the, the the massive project that's that's awaiting you. Um, again, I think it'd be better for us to to, to encourage our listeners again. Don't don't look at it as the massive project. It's just what little tiny piece can I do? Just what little little thing can I do? Well, what part can I order? What what plan can I
2: look at? Gary, and, I think that's how you get back into it. Is you say yeah. okay, I'm going to just go take a little bite out of that elephant. Sure. And I'm just gonna do a little piece of it. And once I did that's exactly how I got back into it. I decided, okay, I don't even remember where I left it off. But I decided to look at the plans and said, okay, I can build that little subcomponent. Okay, I got into that. Cleaned it up. It's like, okay, good. I'm good. And then and then it, it came back fairly quickly. But it took a long time psychologically to get back into it. I'm sure project. Can
1: a lot of things, you know, it can be family issues. A lot of times it can be monetary issues. Some other big expense comes up and now you kind of feel like you have to reprioritize things. Um, but as you know, anytime we step away from our projects for a period of time, it's very easy to lose track of, of our mental processes you're describing, John. Um, it's like, where did I leave off that kind of thing? Um, I, I would really encourage everyone to, to, to make notes. Uh, I usually even had a little whiteboard. Uh, with a dry erase marker that I would put up. And so that if I if I ran across something and I needed a part, I could write it or a piece or a rivet or a bolt. I could immediately write it on the chalkboard, for example. Um, or if I needed to do a, a next step, again, I'd put it on my whiteboard, say, you know, next up is... Um, so that way, if you do get distracted for a week or two or you lose your train of thought, you might be able to go back out there, and look at your chalkboard or whiteboard, and say, Oh, okay, this is where I need to start with, and and that may help uh ease you back into the project too and, and get your mindset back,
0: okay? Well, there, um, as I just kind of think about this, um, uh, and, and try to put my finger on the various impediments, and we've covered these, but let's just break them down into a little more detail by my count. These are the big ones. So first off, there's fear. It really, it's the fear of making a mistake, fear of, I'm not sure how to do this process. I don't want to screw it up. So that's the first one, fear. Second one, it goes hand in hand with the fear, and that's lack of knowledge. I'm not sure what to do to accomplish this task or what to do next. Next, time management conflicts. We have family considerations, we have our jobs get in the way of our our free time, and we have just other things we have to plan around our projects. Then we have lack of drive and lack of motivation. This comes and goes at various points because other things in your life can feed back in and affect your your motivation and your drive. So just kind of taking those those big four, uh, let's talk about that first one. So fear of making a mistake. Well, we well, know we're going
1: to do it, and you just have to realize you're going to do it, and you're going to, you're going to end up having to buy some extra pieces of metal and bolts and pieces. But um, as we've all heard before, you know, bad big parts make good little parts.
0: <laughs> what condol- good point. For
1: what condolence that is.
0: And our scratch builders are all over that because when you mess up a, a side fuselage skin, then you can cut it up and make all kinds of rib gussets and other things like that. And I can tell you, I'm
1: still using bits and pieces from my original Sonics build, uh, even on my latest build. So that this, this thing is just like a
2: hybrid. <laughs> and, you know, what you're talking about now is um, there is nothing more demotivating than to take an expensive piece of uh, a prefabricated uh, like channel that Sonics gave you that's absolutely beautiful and screwing it up. And say, oh, geez, now I have to go back and either buy it from Sonic's for at seventy five or one hundred and fifty dollars, or I can make it out of scrap, or I can just say to hell with this thing. I'm going to go and watch, you know, Family Guy on TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, you will make mistakes. I mean, I certainly did, and I had to rebuy some some pretty expensive parts and several of my builds. Um, but you know, that's just really the kind of the way it goes. You know, either. <laughs> You know, you might drop something, for example, even though it was perfectly built, uh, you know, and damage something. Or you might find out, you know, that you you didn't, they cut it wrong, you know, despite, you know. I, the, I have made light. so many,
2: That's wrong. so many double right pieces. <laughs> it should have been the left and right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will happen. But, you know, just saying, well, okay.
0: Yeah. Start the, it the, over again. The fear, um, I think that really is a big impediment because, there's a natural resistance to taking a risk, especially when it's going to hit you in the pocketbook. And I think that, that that's a big driver, but it's not just the expense of a part that you have to replace. It's the fear that what if I make a mistake and I don't even recognize that I've made a mistake and that part is now going to be unairworthy. it's going to be installed in my airplane and it's going to show its ugly head down the road. And that can be a big part of that fear of the unknown.
2: That may be a, a real fear for a builder, but when you get down to actually installing that part, it ain't going to fit, and you're not going to put it in. Yeah. And so in your in your end-up build, it's, it's going to be washed out. But, yeah, definitely during the build, especially if you haven't flown your own uh, experimentally built airplane you built in your garage, yeah, there's like, oh, I'm going to screw this up, and someone's going to die in it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah we all
1: we all have those thoughts but you know as you do it more and more and more you kind of say
2: hmm, well
1: not, maybe not so much uh, you know, <laughs> it may not look as pretty as I want it to look um, but it doesn't mean it's not every bit as effective
2: yeah. and I'm seeing that with my B model upgrade and I'm sure Jeff you've seen it with your well you're on your third build with your son's airplane um, yeah you're not gonna put in something that's going to make it un- unairworthy
0: Right. And, and that's where your experience will really help you kind of guide through that. Uh, new builders, they, they, they are keenly aware that they have this lack of knowledge and that, that scares them because they, they don't want to make that mistake down the road. So again, that, that transitions perfectly into that second one, lack of knowledge. So how do you accomplish overcoming this lack of knowledge?
1: Well, I think we also need to acknowledge, too, and I, I think even most of the manufacturers would agree, too, that that sometimes when someone's building something exactly according to the plans, the plans themselves may not exactly be perfect as well. Um, there may not have been a, redu- a revision done or, or someone didn't catch something, and you'll end up cutting or putting something someplace, and you say, gosh, you know, mine doesn't seem to fit that way, and you call up or you start investigating with other builders or the factory and say, Uh, yeah, we need to put out a uh, service bulletin on that. So, I mean, it it can happen both ways, too. It's not always uh, a builder's uh, fault or
0: or
2: error. And that is a very frustrating thing. There was a point in my WayX build that I had just riveted the tail up, and they had a service bulletin due to an accident of a poorly – I I won't say poorly, but it was – an adjustment to the engineering, to the strength of the tail. And I had to tear it all apart to put their modification on. Obviously obviously I'm not going to continue on with my project without doing the, uh, the remediation. So that was a demotivator, but I went ahead and did it because I was, you know, getting close to, Hey, I want to go fly my airplane. So,
0: yeah. Well, there's some conventional wisdom here that says, uh, go out and educate yourself. Buy the Tony Bengelis books about construction techniques and firewall forward. Go to user forums like sonicsbuilders.net and start to absorb tribal knowledge from them. Uh, engage your experienced builders, your AMPs and and builders in your chapter and, and kind of get some mentorship and tutelage from them. And those are all really great things. But other than just to recommend that, you know, you should do that and definitely you have to take it on yourself – to kind of reach out and, and utilize these resources, there is another side. And if you go back to Carrie Forrest, one of his articles that he wrote just recently, he was talking about misplaced confidence. This is kind of the other side of the coin on this lack of knowledge. And that is when you don't have a knowledge base of your own to evaluate statements that other people make, you, you can kind of let yourself be, be misguided by someone who appears to be knowledgeable and they, uh, they lead you down the wrong path. So, uh, a really, uh, common thing is a person who posts all the time on the news group, uh, they seem to be an expert on everything and man, they're probably the right person to listen to. When in fact, maybe they're not really the right person to listen to. Maybe that's a bad idea. I think probably the, uh, the recommendation is you have to just kind of evaluate your own status and, and what, what am I deficient on and, and what do I need to learn and how might I go about filling in those uh, those empty spaces? If that is, get a copy of the, the acceptable practices that the FAA publishes and start thumbing through it every night, do it. I would say that you're probably the minority if that's, if that's the way you do it. It's probably more likely that you go visit a friend and you look at his build. And you pick up some techniques from them and you you absorb it through other interactions. And then as you start to kind of get a, a, a solid foundation, you start to go and, and read some books and maybe file away some magazine articles for later and things like that.
1: Well, when you talk about knowledge deficit originally to start with, you know, there's lots of things we have to think about when we build a plane. Not only were we were learning how to do all the sheet metal stuff. Uh, then you have wiring. Sometimes you have composites to deal with, and you have engine and prop managements to deal with. Uh, then you might think about, well, now I've got to paint this thing too. Um, you know, Some people are, have got the time and the skill and innate ability to absolutely do everything. Uh, I acknowledge I am not particularly one of those people. Um, I, I certainly love building. I'd like to even start another one even now, as a matter of fact. But um, there are some things you don't necessarily have to do yourself. Um, we know that we've heard that things were, you know, you can go from one extreme where you just buy a set of plans and you, you, you scrounge around and get all your metals and everything else. And you just start, you know, hacking and bending and drilling. Uh, those guys have got so much more energy than I'll ever have, uh, kudos to them. I've seen some you know gorgeous work doing it that way. And versus, you know, you can get, you know, the. The quick assembly, you know, halfway built planes that you kind of just stick the wings on and call it good. Uh, most of us are pretty much in 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 between there. You know, we we like to pretty much get uh, most of the kit done. Uh, even then, as we know, there's lots of things that still need to be done. But you don't always have to do it yourself. A couple of things in my points, for example, you know, this last plane that I did, uh, I went pretty heavy on avionics and capabilities with dual axis autopilots and everything else. And I knew that some of that wiring, uh, and, you know, multi-coms and everything else is going to be a little bit more than I really wanted to try to do in the time frame and, and that I wanted to accomplish things in. Um, so you could have, for example, if you're doing your avionics and it's not a simple plug and play, um, which usually is for the sonics group, we have to admit. Uh, but you could farm that stuff out, and say, hey, you know, go to someplace like, um, fast approach stack or, Steinair, you know, they're a very popular uh, company dealing with experimental say I'd like for you to at least build my basic wiring harness to integrate my EFIS, for example, and my radios. Um, and, and don't think that you're failing because there's going to be plenty more that you're still going to have to do when you start dealing with servos and antennas and things of that nature. But you can take some of that stuff that can make it that you really do need some technical expertise to get it right. To save yourself a lot of time and grief and sometimes if you spend a few extra bucks up front, you'll end up saving yourself a lot of time and money later on not having to chase perhaps quite as few gremlins I'm not going to say you're always going to get something gremlin free, but you can start with a real good approach to that, just like you did with a kit you know, if you're buying a kit you, you want most of it there and you want most of the holes, well you can do the same thing with your wirings um, the, the last thing I just back, I flew my plane back uh, this afternoon from my shop because uh, I need a little bit of fiberglass work done. And I, I, I have to say, I hate fiberglass. I'm, I'm not a big fan of dealing with it. Uh, of course, they make gorgeous planes, and you can do all kinds of fancy compound shapes and curves. Uh, but that's a whole other subset of skill that you need to develop. And sometimes, you know, I look at this thing, I need this done. I, I found someone that has the professional experience to do it. And say, so here you go. I just need this last little piece done, but I'll let you do it. And uh, it looks good. I think it's it's much better than anything I could have done. And so you know, don't be afraid to you know do the vast majority. And get it something that really you know, if you don't want to have to learn how to do painting, for example, that could take months and years to learn how to paint. Um, just like some of these complex electrical wiring systems too. You know, you either hire somebody or farm it out, and that'll take a lot of your your worry and concern away, and, and really get the project moving for you.
0: Yeah, and if you just kind of summarize that, uh, leverage others, whether that's professional help, or whether that's experts in the field, or whether that's uh, your local support network, like your fellow builders and your local EA chapter. So leverage others to help you fill in the gaps that you have. Yeah,
1: find somebody else that's got uh, a different knowledge base than you do. Everyone has a knowledge base, but we don't have it all.
0: All right. And then uh, I guess uh, moving on to time management conflicts. uh, I think this one is kind of self-explanatory. We all know that we have to juggle numerous responsibilities and sometimes things go well and you can find time for all the things you have to do, save a little bit of time for the things you want to do, like work on your project. But other times that becomes more challenging. So I think probably the only advice I could offer on on time management is simply to acknowledge that this is going to be a moving target and you're going to have to continually evaluate and make sure that you don't ignore some of those other requirements and other responsibilities because that will play on you in the back of your mind. You might push it off for a while, but eventually it's going to come back and you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to balance those respective issues. All right, any any comments on uh, on time management before we move on?
1: No, again, one of our first contacts, just keep it very, very close to you so that you don't have to actually drive somewhere uh, in order just to work on something.
0: Yeah, that's probably, uh, I think, probably the easiest thing. If it is convenient to work on it, uh, you will. If it's not convenient, then you won't. And that's just, you would be the exception to drive an hour to get to your building location and continue to make steady progress on your project. Certainly there's somebody out there that does that, but it won't be everybody. Yeah,
2: and, and you know, the old uh, adage that <clears throat> keep your project at home as long as you can really does help. I'm at a uh, at a situation that my airplane is sitting less than 30 feet from me right now and because I live in an airpark. And so I can walk out to my hangar and... And work on it, or I can work on the B model upgrade um, for 15 minutes, and then walk back home or back to the house and and deal with whatever it is. Um, before I lived in the air park, it was an hour drive to get to the airport. So um, doing anything on the airplane was a day adventure because I had to drive down there for an hour, go work on the airplane, drive back, and then explain to my wife why I was away for. Half of the day, um, and that 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 can really impinge on your uh, your build capability.
0: Okay, so now that we've really kind of dug into the impediments to making progress, uh, let's go over what what the 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 really simple keys to making progress is, and we've we've covered some of these, but the first one that comes up is you simply have to take action. You have to You have to just get started. You have to jump in, make that commitment, just do something. You have to get moving. So, John, uh, you talked about the, the kit is delivered or even you see it when the plan set arrives and you crack it open and there's 130 plan sheets. And you're like, whoa, what did I just do? There's no way I can do this. Well, you have to force yourself to get get out of that, that initial shock and just make yourself pick up a ruler, pick up a Sharpie, grab a piece of metal, and start making parts. You have to spur yourself into action. In my case, on my B model, I was
2: anticipating and, and absolutely eager to get that kit in. And I was just about ready to deploy, um, for five weeks. And when it showed up, it was like, I was like a kid at Christmas. I wanted to open up the kit. I wanted to inventory everything. I wanted to look at it all. And I want to say, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to get into this. And then I had to wait five weeks before I got back, uh, back in the United States to say, okay, now I can start working on this. So, um, a little opposite of what you're anticipating of being, uh, I don't know, uh, apprehensive on hitting it. Now, the first time I got my kit, yeah, I was apprehensive. I got this big giant pallet of things and was like, wow, this is uh, overwhelming and I don't know what to do with it. But uh, second time, it's a lot
0: easier. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings, and I, I use this all the time, um, I say, sometimes the only way to get started is to get started. And that simply means I don't have a really clear idea how to perfectly outline this entire operation or all the subtasks that I'm going to have to do. I can't really see myself. I can't see the way from start to finish, but I can see at least one or two steps down the path and that's got to be good enough. I've just got to get going and I won't let that fear of the unknown stop me from getting started and making progress. So the only way to get started is to get started.
2: And I think being a second builder, and I, I consider myself as a second-time builder with the B model, and I know Gary has done it twice with his, and you've actually done it too. The second time is so much easier because you know that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's you know that you can get there, and so it's not at all intimidating to just dive into it.
1: Yeah, piece at a time, just piece at a time.
0: Yeah, and, and you need to seem to recognize that your successes will build one upon the other. And so if you can just get in there and, like Gary, like you said, just get one piece done, that's going to bolster your confidence, it's going to motivate you, it's going to build on your knowledge, and it's going to make it easier to get the next piece.
1: Yeah, what I really like about the Sonics plans is because, you know, they had a lot of those full-size templates there that when you actually cut a piece and shape it and drill it and you can set it right there on the plans, you see, gosh, this fits. I, I I know I can do this now.
0: Yeah, it seems a little odd, you know, to break it down to this level of, of you know, nitpicky detail. But if you take the most complicated plan sheet in there and you break it down into a series of discrete steps, well, that even that, that alone kind of sounds intimidating. But if you just run your finger along the plans and go, okay, part number one, I'm just going to make part number one. And then I'll... You know, I part number 1 has three holes on it. I'm going to make hole number 1 on part number 1. You will start to take one little step in front of the other. You you know, one foot in front of the other and pretty soon part 1 is done and part 2 is done and then that entire sheet is done. You have to be able to just kick yourself in the butt and make yourself jump in and get going. Okay, and that leads you to once you once you have taken action, then you have to keep it up and you have to continue to make steady progress. And Gary, you, you said this now. You gotta do something every day. Uh, it, it really is about the mental discipline to keep up the, the effort. Uh, even if that is grab the dustpan and sweep off the, the workbench so that I'm ready to go on the next day. Anything is, is gonna help you achieve that. So steady progress, something every day, and just keep that pace up.
1: Yeah, again, even if it's just if you don't have time to actually physically build something, but if you can look at a plan that you had a question about in anticipation for your next step or what you need to do or or remember all those items that you wrote on your chalkboard, say, okay, I need to call Aircraft Spruce today uh, and, and place an order just to get that going. It's just those little kind of things. So it's, all those things add up and, and they really do help accomplish the task.
0: Yeah, there were many days where I didn't actually touch the project. But I was working on it. I was working on it mentally. I was thinking, okay, what do I need to do? What is the next operation? What are the tasks I'm going to have to do? And what do I need to do to support that? And so I'm kind of breaking down the next build session in my mind to make sure that I have the right resources forecasted and I I have a good understanding of what I'm trying to accomplish and and the techniques I'm going to use. And that's all I was able to accomplish on that particular day. But it was invaluable because the next day when I actually got into the workshop, I used all that planning that I did And, uh, you know, I did that uh, riding the bus to work or whatever, you know, whenever you have a minute.
1: I think the mental gymnastics is something people don't really take into account that can take up quite a bit of time. You know, we're all doing this pretty much for the first time. Uh, and even if you build second planes, if, you, if it's a different plane, it's still for the first time. But, you know, I remember when I was doing the Sonics, there would be times when I'd try to look at this part or try to figure out how it's going to go. And it just was not making sense to me. And sometimes I just actually had to put it down and, and and kind of stew over it and mull over it during the night and, and think of it in different ways. And then sometimes you'll find out, you know, like next day, for example, say, you know, I think I got this thing figured out now. And then you can go back there and turn that part perhaps a different way and say, ha, look at there. It actually fits.
2: You know, Gary, what you're talking about, the mental gymnastics, that is actually the draw I have to this whole thing experimental building your own airplane is i i sit there and, and exactly what you're saying is you sit there and you run it over your mind over and over and over again several nights and you go wow it that's how it works
0: and then it and finally
2: dawns on you yeah it dawns on you and that's the result and that's the pleasure of building it's not the end result of flying your airplane it's the end result of figuring out oh, that's how that assembly fit together and wow that was pretty damn good
1: Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do come up with a better mousetrap.
2: We are always re-engineering what better men have done before us. So, and we'll we'll generally re-engineer it and then we'll go back and go, no, they were right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I'll go buy some more parts and yeah, I'll go
0: redo those because they were correct. Yeah, that was kind of a game when I was building the, the first one. Uh, I would note every time I found an error in the plans, like, oh, this is wrong. This, this, this detail is not drawn correctly or this call out is incorrect. And I would keep a note of this. And it was like a game of, you know, of, uh, Trump, uh, Trump the designer, you know, I'm going to send an email off to Jeremy and tell him I found another problem. And at least half the time after really studying it further, I realized, nope, nope, that's not an error at all. I was the error. I was looking yeah. at that
2: wrong.
1: It can happen that way. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: we're all better than they are, so we all you come into that knowing that, and then uh you come out of it with humble hopefully with 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 humble hubris
0: and going, yes, they were actually correct,
2: although I did figure out something better than they did so
0: well, you know that that's kind of a cultural thing too um you know, social science has studied this, and uh, in Western culture, they have often said that the majority of people think that they're above average. Um, and you think about that from a statistics standpoint, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, everybody thinks they're better than the next guy.
2: It's Lake Wobegon. All the children are above average. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you got to remember, these, these kits are really designed, though, for, to try to accomplish it for most of us. I mean, it's not necessarily the best way to do something. And it's certainly almost never the only way to do something. Uh, but it was it was their attempt to try to do something in the most simplistic um, yet effective means and repeatable something. Yeah, that's something to take in consideration and to admire too. I mean, because that's that's a lot of work to do. That is how can you fix it so that this guy can come along and, and repeat it and reproduce it.
0: Yeah. Well, another thing I like to point out is. To keep making steady progress, you want to look ahead. So so not just at what am I going to do today and tomorrow, but look a a little ways ahead, a few build sessions or a few plan sheets or whatever, you want to forecast the tools and the parts and the supplies that you're going to need. So you have enough time to order them and get them so that that's not going to hold you up. It's very frustrating to start work on a, on a Saturday build session only to find out that you have to stop and maybe change gears entirely because you don't have something that you need. So you got to look ahead and forecast those needs.
1: But we do know that will happen. I mean, it certainly happened to me. But just remember, there's almost always something else that you can do in the meantime while you're waiting for that new tool or part to come in.
2: Yeah, and I think anybody who's running into that, if they're if they're that motivated, they're gonna find something to do during that lag uh, for the new part. It's the ones that hit that and go, okay, I just I'm defeatist. I don't want to move on because I don't have that part, and I don't want to order a new one.
1: Yep. For me, it was almost always I needed another tool. <laughs> and again, <laughs> most of that's because you don't have the, the skill and knowledge base to do with some of the, the more easier, uh, more simplistic tools, perhaps. But, you know, there's almost always a fancier tool that will do something better for you. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But
0: Well, we joke about, you know, airplanes are, are just excuses to buy tools. But sure, there really yeah, is a yeah. tremendous amount of satisfaction in having the right tool that makes the job a pleasure to perform. Yeah, mine when
1: I was doing the Sonics, man, when I finally broke down and bought myself an air drill. Oh, I was in like hog heaven for the longest (laughs) time. I just love that little air drill.
2: That's funny because I bought an air drill and I have never used it. Well, I've used it a few times, but I just like my DeWalt.
1: No, the little air drill was, was so much faster and start up and stop and lighter and, you know, no dead batteries. And it was it was a real pleasure. You know, especially if that would drill so many holes in the sonics. This was before the pre matched hole kit, so you had to do a lot of fabrication still.
0: Well, that's just you know find find what works for you, and yeah. if uh, if you have a good compressor and it's plumbed where it's convenient to use, you have a wonderful experience with air drills. But if I have a little two gallon pancake compressor, I'm not going to have the same experience. So you just got to well, find what works for you.
1: Yeah, that that compressor in the garage with me did not work out. I got to tell you because that's one noisy little sucker. So I ended up throwing that down in the basement, drilled some holes through my walls, and ran the hose up from the basement out to the yeah. garage. Right.
0: Well, there's something else uh, that I like to talk about, and, um, and that is sometimes you have to slow down to avoid mistakes and frustrating missteps. So there's this concept. We talk about it all the time in the military. Um, we say slow is steady and steady is fast, and that really recognizes that. Uh, if you race out ahead and then you blunder into a mistake and you have to back up and correct it, that ultimately results in a, in, a, in a slower rate of progress. And so a slow, methodical, well-thought-out approach oftentimes avoids that frustrating, you know, kind of uh, problem that you blunder into.
1: I agree. It's happened to me.
0: And uh, I'm a living proof of it because, you know, on, uh, on Sonic's number two, there were less... Less times where I had to scratch my head and figure out how to do what the plans were telling me, and far more times where I knew exactly what I was doing, and then I just did it wrong because I probably should have read the plans a second time. But I don't need to do that. I know what I'm doing. And then it turns out. There you go. That's my Model B. All over (laughs) (laughs) him. Yeah, it happens to all of us. Yep. Slow down, now. Slow down. And then I guess uh, the, the last thing on my mind for steady progress is you want to build a personal support network. And that could be a, a number of different resources, but you want to tailor it to the, the way you think and the way your project is progressing. And things you might consider as part of that personal support network, uh, tech support. If you have an open dialogue with, with Carrie at Sonics, uh, you use References that are commonly available. I talked about the Bengelis books or other things like that, the Acceptable Practices book. Have people you can go to. Have, have uh, the forums that you can get on. But you, you want to have some way that you can bounce problems off somebody, look for solutions, and try to keep your, your, uh, your delays to a minimum while you work through some of these problems that you're going to have to work through. And John, uh, you're really lucky because you know you've got Gary, and so he's the only support network you really need, right? <laughs> Gary is he's he's
2: my uh, Stringali. <laughs> oh, and yeah, my sure. um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, you know, he's like a steel cage death match appointment sometimes.
0: No, and, so. and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna risk uh, making Mike. Uh, unhappy about this but mike had the ultimate support network because he had all of us and so he was like hey what do you think we ought to do today and we would jump in there oh give me that wrench and you just stand there and hand me tools when you need it
1: john was always looking for a bigger <laughs> hammer that's what scared
2: me
0: yeah well it was
2: mike's plane so
0: i mean <laughs> we always needed a
2: bigger hammer <laughs> it wasn't my plane but uh, yeah. mike's still flying he's flying a lot down in in uh, vegas now so yeah the plane is it's it's functional, so let's uh, let's not say that that wasn't
0: a, a good solution. He's uh,
2: that big hammer kept his plane going.
0: Yeah, and, and and it's I'm not picking on Mike, not by any means, but that's a good example of the type of support network that you can build. You find some friends, you find some people with like interests and suddenly you go from, you know, I'm just one person with, with limited experience to now I've got a team of people that are all working with me to get this thing done. And we were able to get in there and bust that plane out and it's flying great now. And uh, I, I'm really proud of the team effort to, to get Mike's plane going.
2: Yeah. For a, a plane, he bought it 90% done and 10% to go. Um, boy, it took a lot of effort to get it there. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's run through our tips to keep up your motivation. And Gary, I know you've been kind of sprinkling your tips as we go along. I'll just start off with know what is important and what's not important. Too many times people don't have a good sense of, of the important critical tasks, and they, they start to really obsess and worry about the wrong stuff. And so they'll worry about the edge surface on a, on a piece of angle and totally miss the fact that, you know, yeah, the, the edge is nice and smooth, and they use some sandpaper or scotch bright to smooth out those edges, but that critical hole that's going to hold their tail on is way too close to the edge. So they, they focused on the wrong thing. They focused on one aspect of building a quality part and they missed the really critical part. So how do you know what's important and what's not? Well, that's part of, of that education. And you ought to be approaching it from your own perspective of I need to be able to build a sort of a mental library of what are the critical things and what are the things that are maybe, maybe they're more cosmetic and they're not as critical to really focus on. Know what's important and, and what's not.
1: And if you're not sure, just ask.
0: Absolutely. And a great first email is send it off to Kerry and say, hey, Carrie, what do you think about this? Yeah. I guarantee you that Kerry would rather get an email that says, here's the part I built. Here's a picture. Uh, I think it might be okay, but what do you think? You know, that type of thing. He would much rather get that email than somebody who says, I can't figure out why this isn't working, and it's all because of your crappy design. And he's got to, like, really kind of dig into the problem and figure out what's going on. If you just ask him, he can really help you get a sense of what's important. All right, so that kind of leads into the, the next saying that I like to use, and that is, research is what you do when you don't know what you're doing. And so when you find yourself looking at a problem and and you think, man, I I really don't know how to approach this. I'm not sure how to bend up this part to make it fit. or I I just don't know. Well, don't be afraid to do some research. Grab some scrap, maybe grab some cardboard, make up a mock-up, or just grab the part and start working with it. And chalk it up to research. If it doesn't work, well, you're definitely going to have a better understanding of the problem and what the solution needs to be by the time you get done. You can't be so worried about wasting a part or wasting time or making a mistake that you don't allow yourself to experiment with it and just kind of solve these problems in a real hands-on, research-oriented way.
1: Need a bigger hammer. Actually, I needed
0: a bigger device.
1: (laughs) I was trying to build, uh, I think it was the verticals. uh... For the vertical stabilizer, uh, there's a there's a very thick piece of plate that usually goes from the vertical stabilizer down to the fuselage that you had to bend. Uh, I forget the exact number it was you know it was some some number plus a fraction of a degree, and I'm thinking to myself, really. But anyway, I chalked it up in my little vise and started whacking away on it. Uh, basically, ended up bending the vise and I had to go to Harbor Freight and get a bigger vise.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've had to replace uh, components of my vice for the same reason, you know, breaking bolts off inside and things like that. So let me just uh, paint a a picture of of research, you know. Take, for example, you need to set some flush rivets. You're getting ready to do the the leading edge skin or something like that, and you're not really sure how to get your flush rivets exactly the way you want them. Rather than wait until you are trying to install flush rivets in your leading edge, just recognize, hey, I, I got something that I don't really understand. Let me make up some test pieces. Let me, let me dimple it with different depths of dimple or different pressures on, on the hand squeezer when I make these dimples. Maybe I'll try some drilled to smaller diameter initially and then larger diameter and I'll set some rivets and I'll see how it all works out. If you do some really basic research with a handful of rivets and some scrap and you kind of feel out some of the variations and how these things might come together, you're going to have a much better understanding of of what to do on your actual part when you get there. Don't be afraid to to do a little research and help fill in some of those gaps. And it has the side benefit of you'll be able to kind of answer that first question of what's important and what's not. So anyway, I'm a big fan of that. All right. Another thing, uh, this is not related to... What I just said, but uh, tips again to keep your motivation up. Sometimes you have to just sort of remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. You know, why am I building this airplane? What is the, what's the goal of, of all this anyway? And, and that might be, um, you know, go hang out with some other builders, you know, go to Air Venture and, and go, go see uh, other builders completed airplanes. Go hang out with your chapter members and fly to a pancake breakfast, whatever. Just refocus yourself on why you're doing this in the first place. And I think that sometimes that can be enough just to kind of get you back into it.
1: You know, I hope we aren't really pressing people to think that we have to really have our nose to the grindstone, so to speak. You know, there's sometimes that it is appropriate, I think, to actually do step back for just a short period of time, you know, to regroup your thoughts, you know, take a little bit of a mental break sometimes because uh, we know this can get to be grueling sometimes if you look at it and you get so obsessed and, and narrowly focused minded on this thing so you know if if you do need to step back you know for for a few days or or a long weekend or even a week or so that's not unacceptable i hope people don't really get that that impression
0: yeah absolutely and it, it don't feel like you are failing if you are not working on it every day that's not the point the point is you want to Practice those, those sort of healthy building techniques that that keep you going in the right direction. And if you do feel like you're starting to, to stall out or you're getting uh, distracted or demotivated, these are just little things you can do to kind of help get your mind back into it. For me personally, you know, my overall mental state has a big part of of how productive I am in the workshop. If I'm stressed at work or I've got a bunch of other things going on, I'm not going to be particularly uh, effective working in the shop, even if I have time. I've got all the parts laid out and I understand what I'm doing. So sometimes you have to just step back and say, you know what, I need to just decompress. I'm going to go, you know, go for a hike and get out in the outdoors or I'm going to go do one of my other hobbies, like I'm going to go fly some model airplanes or, you know, go to the beach and, you know, do... Do something like that, something completely unrelated to your project that you're going to find relaxing and rejuvenating to kind of get your mind back in a real healthy position. And when you come back to your project, you're going to be ready to kind of re-attack it with a new sense of enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, I think it does help.
0: Or you can do like uh, Carrie says and do some goat yoga. Well, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> uh, or, you know, uh, support your local brewery. That's always a good pastime. Now, for now you're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, another thing which uh, I think is important is you have to enjoy the little victories along the way. So maybe that is just showing off a part that you completed. It's like, man, look at this little part. This thing is deceptively complex. I had to work my butt off to get this thing. First off, I didn't understand what the drawing was telling me, and I had to figure out how to fabricate it and how to maybe use the tools I had available. But I'm pretty proud of this little part. And you know, look how look how well it's it's fabricated. It's ready to go. You know what's so cool? What's that?
1: On that on that same vein is when you've been working all winter. You know, and the garage is always closed to keep the heat in, and you, then and, and summer and spring comes along, and you open up the garage door, and people are starting to walk by, and you see them doing the rubbernecking thing and saying, is, 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 is that an airplane in his garage?
2: Absolutely. You know, and then, you and then Gary comes by and looks at my plane and goes, I can't believe you built it that way. I still
0: can't believe it flies, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I know that. You won't fly my airplane, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, don't be afraid of the neighbors. Um, you know, it, it sometimes they're going to look at you and shake their head like, oh, that's crazy. I would never go fly in a plane that I built, much less fly in a plane that you built. But sometimes, you know, you never know how you're going to, you know, meet uh, somebody who's going to turn into a friend on a random encounter where they rubbernecked on their way by your garage. Oh, yeah. And you I'd, know see, what? I'd see cars turn
1: around and make a second pass and sometimes a third pass because, you know, they don't really live there, but they just wanted to see it again.
0: <laughs> yeah it yeah funny. show it off take a take a yeah. little little victory and, and have a good time you yeah. suburban aircraft builders have that
2: luxury i live in an air park if i leave my hangar door open and i'm working on my airplane i have 54 different experts who know better than i do that come by and go oh my god i wouldn't have done that that way i would not have a <laughs> your airplane
1: well in yeah that's you ought to leave your hangar open all the time then <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I, I have, and then I just kind of ignore them, and I go fly my airplane. And They're, all, of course, all working in their hangars, working on their airplanes, and they're not flying. And so I am, and so I win.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, know what's important and what's not. And maybe uh, following the plans is important. Listening to your hangar neighbor is not.
1: <laughs> here's here's <laughs> one thing I do think can, can really stall a lot of people and drag things out is, is the embellishments. We always want to make our plane a little bit better or do something a little extra. Uh, we've talked about this on, on multiple other sub episodes as well when you start to do something like that you can add significant time as well as money to your build project and it's always that thing that you kind of kind of balances you not really like to do this it's really nifty uh, but is it going to stall me back too far i mean in all my builds that I, I get to the point i got to say you know enough of this i've got to get this plane finished so i can start flying it i'll come back later and do some of the, you know, the, the tricked out stuff that I want to do for it. But it's easy to get stalled by trying to do the, the, the massive upgrades as you're going along all the time.
2: Oh, absolutely, Gary. You're, you're If you build it to plans, you'll get done much quicker, and you'll have yeah. a very stable aircraft. Um, yes, there are improvements we can all do, but take them with a grain of salt. Maybe you do them after you get your project flying, like you say.
0: Yeah, Tony Spitzer, you know, he was the first customer-built Sonics, and he's kind of a, uh, I don't know, I like to call him the the godfather of Sonics. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Tony had said many times, build the airplane per plans first, fly it for a year or two. After a couple of years, you're going to know the things you really, really want, and then go back and add them. But if you fixate on all the things you think you want, you're never going to get done. And a lot of that stuff you're going to spend a ton of time on, and when you start flying, you're going to realize, you know what, that really wasn't as important as I thought it was going to be. I wish I'd have just skipped all that and just built it for plans. Yeah. All right. We talked about relationships, but that is really important. Uh, make relationships. It will help motivate you. It will encourage and support you. It will give you some place you can turn to for advice and maybe just to bounce an idea off or to talk you off the ledge when, when, uh, you have this crazy idea that you're going to do a, you know, tilt back canopy and a speed cowl. <laughs> you know,
2: Gary, Gary failed me on that. Cause I actually <laughs> bounced that past him and he said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What he was really thinking, John, was better you than me. (laughs) Yeah, he's screwed now.
2: (laughs) No, he he actually thought it was going to slow me down. And when he had his Sonics, that's why he sold his Sonics and had to build the Zenith. I was was just smoking him. And it was like, wow, (laughs) it can't be that speed, Kel, I told you to do. It's got to be uh, the fact that I don't have a Zenith.
0: Mm. Okay. All right, well, that's a perfect segue to my next thought, which is don't feel threatened by the success of others. You know, be inspired by them. So you can take pride in what other people are doing. Maybe steal a little bit of ideas of things that worked well or maybe things that didn't work so well. But, uh, yeah, don't, don't necessarily make it competitive. Um, you know, look to them for encouragement, not for competition.
1: Yeah, don't be afraid to steal ideas, though. That's perfectly acceptable.
0: Absolutely, and uh, hopefully uh, the ideas that prove to not be good, uh, you know, will just sort of die out that way.
1: Or just send them to John to test fly.
2: He'll do it. I am a I am a, a wealth of failed
0: ideas. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in all seriousness, though. Part of the fun for a lot of people is trying out that new idea. Like, what if? Well, what if I do this? And I really want to see that. And if you're honest and and you understand that that is part of the allure of getting into experimental av- aviation, then that's not necessarily a detriment. Now, on the other hand, if you're trying to get finished and, you know, you really want to get to the flying, maybe you need to reel in some of those good ideas and just kind of hold them back for later. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. Well, I guess um, uh, if I could offer, you know, one kind of summary thought to to end it would be focus on the outcome of why you're doing this build project in the first place. You, you really want to make it about the process and about the accomplishment. You want that self-realization to be the motivation. You're really not looking for that kind of reward slash punishment type thing. So, and, and to clarify the reward would be the finished airplane. I'm building this airplane because I want to build a cheaper airplane than I can buy. Well, that's kind of a fallacy because there are a myriad of really good airplanes out there already flying that you can buy sometimes for less than the the cost of parts to build a new one. So that's not necessarily the great motivation, you know, the reward of getting this finished airplane. You know, the the punishment side is kind of the flip of that, which is, You know, I got to keep going because I don't want to have failed in this project. I don't want to have wasted all this time and money and years of my life. You know, I got to get it done. A kind of a sunk cost type approach. You know, you don't want to be afraid of the punishment of not completing it. You really want to get to that point of self-realization where you, you stand back and you say, man, I have a tremendous amount of pride in what I accomplished. This was a huge project. I was able to methodically work my way through it. I'm proud of the finished result. I have this great asset now that I can go enjoy. And I have all these new opportunities that it allows me to do, you know, not just to fly to pancakes at the local airport, but to engage in aviation in a way that you didn't have when you were just flying a a flight club airplane or, a you know, a a Cessna or something like that. So that's really what you want to focus on. That's why we're doing this is for that enjoyment and that self-fulfillment that comes with seeing a really complicated project all the way to the completion and then enjoying it when you're done.
1: Excellent comment.
0: All right, guys. Let's just wrap this up. So, Gary, uh, any final thoughts and final comments? No,
1: I think your summation there really does wrap up why we build and and why some of us are repeat offenders. Um, It's just, you know, the joy of flying by itself is one thing. Uh, The joy of flying something that you've assembled and put together, though, uh, really does amp it up the experience somewhat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, John, uh, final thoughts? No, I think, you know, the building of
2: Sonics is an achievable project by mere mortals. Uh, Many have done it. It's not um, as complex as any of the other kid aircraft out there. You can keep it as simple as possible. If you follow the plans, you will have a wonderfully flying aircraft. Um, I think if you can limit your ambition to improve it um, to after it's flying is the best bet because once you get it flying you may not want to take it down to go put the speed cow on or put the flip back canopy on um you're you're going to be really happy and maybe you, you'll go down that path that's what i did but i got my plane flying first
0: well, I think you want to acknowledge the challenges that are inherent in a complex project like this. You want to not be intimidated by them, and then you want to have a, a good handle on how you're going to see your way through it. You know, I'm going to keep a level head. I'm going to make sure I have these techniques uh, in mind. I'm going to have my parts and my and my references lined up. I'm going to have that support network. And then I'm going to just be committed to getting after it and getting it done. And then be proud of your accomplishment when you get there.
1: And have fun doing it.
0: Absolutely. Because at the end of it, it is you know it is about the enjoyment and the fulfillment. And if you're not having a good time, then maybe you ought to just push pause and, and evaluate what is it that is limiting your enjoyment of it. And uh, if you can get to that, you're going to be well on your way to successfully getting through the, the project. Oh,
1: there probably is one extra little tip we could acknowledge to, to keep your, keep your building and getting you through it Buy yourself, a very, very large box of band-aids and keep them right there on your desk with you. Cause you're going to need
2: them.
0: <laughs> hey, those are battle scars. You know, those are hard one. Yeah.
2: Gary, I haven't had one instance where I needed a band. Well, okay. There was one since the B model upgrade. Um, you you do learn well how to handle your tools after your second build.
1: It was the metal I always cut myself on, and I always see blood everywhere, and you kind of say, Well, where'd this come from? You start looking, oh. you know, you start looking to find out where it's coming from.
2: Gary, we've talked about deburring your metal after you cut yeah, it. Yeah. And you just really don't listen.
0: <laughs> well, there's always blue painters tape, you know, you just wrap up that cut and tape and keep going. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, excellent comments. I hope that this gives some people things to think about, you know, allows them to reflect on their own experience, maybe to put a, a finger on some areas that were starting to kind of trip them up a little bit and give them something to think about on how they craft a strategy to to keep their motivation up over the long haul and get through it, because building airplanes is not a race yeah, sprint to the finish, it is a marathon, it is an endurance race, and you got to be able to sustain yourself over the long haul to get there. Alright, well, I guess that about wraps up this topic. Find us on the web at sonicsflight.com You can find the show notes They will be available at sonicsflight.com slash 49 You can subscribe to the podcast, search for Sonics Flight in your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to the web and listen to it directly there. If you're enjoying the episodes, recommend it to a friend who has not yet found the podcast. As always, if you have feedback for the episodes or you have an idea for a future topic, we'd love to hear about it. And you can send us an email to feedback at sonicsflight.com. And that link is also on the website as well. So with that, I'll just say great talking to you guys. Thanks again. And hopefully, uh, you'll be able to continue getting some flying in in the winter. Uh, I know I am definitely looking forward to some clear skies and some good flying weather.
2: Yeah, I'm towing uh, for the Glider Club on the 1st of February, so
0: I'll get some flying in then.
2: After that, you know, Gary's coming down to pull my wings off, so I won't be flying the Sonics for a
0: while.
1: Looking forward to plucking your wings.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, guys, good to talk to you as always. We'll see you next time. You guys uh, fly safe, and we'll see you later. All right, buddies. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. The views and opinions expressed on the Sonic's Flight podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot-in-command. All righty, well, uh, John, if you're done uh, busting his balls, uh, I think we'll get started. Yeah, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm, oh, I'm no, good. No, it's just okay. starting. <laughs> no, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. So It's done, I'm, I'm relieved. Okay, I'm relaxed. <laughs> Actually, um, I thought that went pretty well. There was, there was more meat to cover than I anticipated. I thought this was going to be a short one, but we're right at an hour again. So Uh, that seems to be where we always fall is right about an hour.